Ephesians 6, we'll begin reading in verse 10 and read down through verse 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. Father, we do pray for your grace as we look to your word. Father, we ask that you would be pleased uh, to teach us and to uh, guide us and lead us to transform us, O Father, that we would not simply be hearers of the message, but that we would also be found to be working it into practice into our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Earlier this week, I was looking at verses 18, 19, and 20, thinking about, okay, in terms of division, how many more messages will we, will we have in our, in our series here? Because we are moving towards the conclusion here, aren't we? And I began to write down all of the things that, that stand out as being very important in verses 18, 19, and 20. And the, length, the, the list was a little bit lengthy for a single message, perhaps a little bit lengthy for two. Uh, my intentions are to uh, really focus on what we might call verse 18a this morning. Sometimes you'll see where people make reference to verses and they'll, they'll put a little uh, suffix at the end, either a, b, or c. Sometimes those verses, uh, uh, what that indicates is you're only taking maybe the first part We're only going to be looking at praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication this morning. I I think that next week we may finish, if not next week, probably the week after. And then after that, I would like to return to the Psalms just for a short period of time. And then uh, we'll begin a study in Romans next. So just kind of a heads up on what is next. Someone asked me earlier this week how many more messages. uh, So I just answer that question for everyone. Uh, I think probably one, maybe two more, and we'll, we'll have it wrapped up. Um, we've seen a lot of things here. Paul's uh, final exhortation to the Ephesians. He, he tells us, finally, be strong, verse 10. Uh, don't lose sight of verse 10. Uh, that was the first message. It was a, a while back. Uh, but especially keep that in your mind as we look at verse 18 this morning. Uh, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of whose might and the strength of His might, we're called to put on the whole armor of God. And the whole armor there is translating a Greek word that you're actually pretty familiar with. It's panoplia, 
And panoply is the word which we get the English word panoply from. And of course, a panoply is a full coat of arms, a full, uh, a full battery of arms, if you will. Uh, we're not at liberty here to pick and choose which piece of armor we want to put on. Uh, we're to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, some might really like studying the Bible and, and might really enjoy meditating on Scripture. Um, but the other pieces of armor, perhaps not so much. Uh, just one example how we might focus on one piece of armor more than the other. Uh, the Apostle Paul is telling us to put it all on, isn't he? And he emphasizes that, doesn't he? Put on the whole armor of God. And we've seen that the armor of God involves the belt of truth, right? And what's next after the belt of truth? The breastplate of righteousness. Then, yes, the gospel shoes if you want to call them that the readiness given by the gospel of peace right and then what comes after that a shield of faith right then the helmet of salvation and then the sword of the spirit and that contextually brings us down to verse 18 correct where the apostle paul says praying at all times in the spirit now what i want to do this morning really is i want to first of all explain the connection that verse 18 has with the rest of Paul's exhortation. I think that's, we're going to see as I begin to do that, we're going to see its importance. It's very important in determining the role that prayer has in this exhortation. So first we're going to look at the connection, then we're going to look at the role that prayer has in terms of this final exhortation. And then we'll look at the when and how of prayer. And that will keep us plenty busy this morning. So first, the connection here. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, praying at all times. I think on the surface of it, the modern reader could get the impression that Paul's just maybe tossing prayer in here. It's, uh, it seems to be the thing to do. It's kind of what we do at the end of our services. You know, you, you should pray at the end of your service. So we'll toss prayer in the end and uh, we do that at Bible study. We do that as a in morning worship. And uh, uh, of course, if, if that's our, our thoughts here, uh, that, that certainly is insufficient. We're going to see here in a few minutes that prayer plays a, a very vital role in all of this. So we must discount that quite quickly. Uh, others have looked at uh, prayer as a seventh piece of armor. As a seventh piece of armor. And that's tempting because... Uh, Sevens are pretty cool in the Bible, aren't they? You know, we got lots of sevens, and seven's a word of completion, and it'd be kind of nice to kind of tidy this up and make this seven, you know, six pieces of armor, make it seven. It's a complete package. But uh, when we look at the rest of Paul's metaphor, his analogy here, I mean, he talks about a belt of truth. You know, you, you put a belt on the body, and a belt is something that the Roman soldiers wore. You think about the breastplate of righteousness. I mean, that's also something wore on the body, something that a, a Roman soldier would wear. You know, you, you think about, uh, uh, you, you just go down the list, you know, the gospel shoes, you know. Uh, these, the, 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 we looked at those in detail uh, in earlier messages. These shoes were specifically made for the Roman army, and the Roman army actually won many battles on the account of these particular shoes. Uh, they, of course, they wore those shoes. Uh, we think of the shield of faith. Who would go into the battlefield without the shield? Uh, you think of the helmet. Now, who's going to go into the battlefield without a helmet on? 
And who would go in without a sword? I mean, for a Roman soldier to go into battle without a sword would be like a modern infantryman going out into battle without a gun. That's not likely to happen. But prayer doesn't seem to fit those things properly, does it? Prayer seems to be something a little bit different. So I don't think we want to think of prayer as a seventh piece of armor. I just don't think it fits. I think there's a better way that it fits. That we'll see here in a few minutes. Uh, others take prayer, uh, namely praying at all times in the Spirit, is somewhat of an extension of verse 17. You know, the sword of the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, is an extension, uh, if you will, of verse 17. I, I think that's a bit forced. I think that the best possible connection here, and I think it actually opens up uh, a lot of doors for us in terms of the role of prayer, is if we connect praying all the way back to verse 14, where it says, stand therefore. Stand therefore. Now, of course, there's a grammatical connection here. Uh, you guys all are were great English students in high school and you remember your participles. You know what those participles are all about, right? I remember when I went back to school the second time. When I went to school the first time, I was an electronics major. And I didn't, need, I didn't think I needed any English. I'm an electronics guy. You know, I'm into electronics. I don't need English. I didn't pay any attention to English. I went back to, back to uh, school for ministry, and it's all English, you know. And I'd be looking things up in the Bible. Yeah, Laura's smiling. She thinks this is funny. It is funny. I went back... Uh, Went back, I remember looking up words and such and such word, you know, is the past participle of something like past participle. What's a participle? Had to go back and relearn all of this stuff, you know. I think it's that thing that ends with I-N-G, isn't it? That's a participle. But this ends with E-D. How can that be a part? But in, nevertheless, it was, it was something that was necessary to do. I'm not suggesting for a minute you all need to do that. But... Uh, here is, these are times when it's important that we understand this. There are actually two participles in verse 18. We're only going to be messing with one of them this morning. And that is uh, translated praying, uh, praying at all times. That participle is actually dependent on an imperative verb. You don't need to worry so much about imperative verbs. But just so you understand that the word stand in verse 14 is not a suggestion. When the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 14 to stand, he's not giving us an option here. He's commanding us. That, that verb, stata, it is in what, the Greek has a whole case for the imperative, for a command. You know, in the English language, we want to put a command by something, we put an exclamation mark there. In the Greek language, the verb takes a different form. And this verb is in the imperative form, stata. It is command. We're commanded to stand. And the participle uh, praying at all times is dependent on that imperative verb, upon that command. So, and if you look at it, it naturally reads so well. Stand therefore, verse 14, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. Do you see how naturally that flows? It flows quite naturally. And that brings us into the next point I want to bring up is the role of prayer. The role of prayer, because this opens up, this gives us really the clues that we need in understanding the role of prayer in this exhortation. Now, it is possible to be listening or to be reading Paul from verse 10 to verse 17 and get the idea that, okay, we got, we're called to put on the whole armor of God. 
What is the armor of God? Well, it's the, the belt of truth. What's the belt of truth? Well, that's God's word, you know, both, uh, uh, both uh, objectively and subjectively. Okay, let's, let's study the word of God. Uh, got that. Uh, what else are we to do? Uh, and then go down the list of each one of these pieces of armor. It's possible to do this and miss the whole thing. We could get to the breastplate, for instance, and we understand the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, that's the great doctrine of justification, the breastplate of righteousness. That's the righteousness of Jesus given to us by faith. Okay, we go on down through the whole thing. It would be possible to go down through this whole thing and still not be wearing the armor of God. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday, it, you know, on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, I was helping my brother put up this building on his property, and I was doing something that I normally don't do. I was actually in a bucket truck, and a real shaky, shaky bucket truck, I might mind you, and we were putting up steel girders on this building, and that that bucket. Uh, some of that's, I, I, some of you've been in those things, and this one didn't have any outriggers to it so the suspension of the truck you know once you get that bucket up there so far in the air the slightest move and it's like the Allstate commercial shaky 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 baby I mean my goodness and uh, what you know you get used to that after a little while first it's kind of yeah I don't know how I like this but uh, uh, Tuesday wasn't too bad but Wednesday I was in it uh, the whole time and when I got out of that thing, it was like getting out of an elevator. You know how you feel sometimes when you get out of an elevator? And I couldn't shake that. And I really felt like I was getting motion sick. I felt like I was seasick. And at Wednesday night's Bible study, I started to get really ill. Well, it wasn't motion sickness. It was a good old-fashioned flu bug. And, and uh, oh, my goodness. Did I, oh, my goodness. Uh, on Thursday, all this is to say Thursday, I'm like an old preacher once said, Sunday's coming whether you're ready or not. And, I thought, man, I can't do anything else. I need to get to work on this sermon. I'm trying to read, and I just it just wasn't happening. So I thought, maybe I could listen. I'll get on the internet and find some uh, find some sermons on the on the, the subject that I'm preaching on. And when you know, I found some old sermons that have been made available of Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones preaching. And best I could tell, the ones I were listening to were from like 1961, 1962, and and heard this great preacher preach on this. And, and he used the opportunity. He, was, he used this opportunity of putting on the whole armor of God mechanically. He was talking about the flaws of putting on the armor of God mechanically. That's what I just got done describing. It's possible to try to put on, this, to put on the belt of truth. Okay, all I need to do is study my Bible. And I'm putting on the belt of truth. All I need to do is get out the systematic theology books and study justification by faith. I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And down through the list we go. And uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones used this situation very, very uh, ingeniously to describe something that I've described many times in the past, but it's been a while. And that's dead orthodoxy. You've, some of you have heard me talk about that. I haven't talked about that in a while. But dead orthodoxy happens when, when all we focus on is just theology. We don't focus on communion with God. And there are lots of people out there who focus on theology. They love theology. 
And it's, a, it's, it's actually possible to fall in love with theology and not fall in love with Jesus. And this can happen in texts like this. Okay, all I've got, this is great. This is, I just, I love theology. I can just do all these things and expect the belt of truth to protect me mechanically. Simply by studying the Bible, it's mechanically going to protect me. Or even worse, some might get the impression that it's going to protect us magically. There are others who are given to that kind of thing. I've seen that before. Or magically, by, by quoting a passage of Scripture, it's magically, like hocus pocus, it's, gonna, it's, going, to, it's going to cure the ills magically. Uh, we want to warn against that thing. And in Martin Lloyd-Jones' sermon, he made a statement here that I think puts this all together. If you can't see it yet, I think you're going to see it after I read this statement to you. He said, quote, The armor given us by God cannot be put on apart from communion with God. The armor given us by God cannot be put on apart from communion with God. So suddenly we see the role of prayer here, don't we? What is the role of prayer in this final exhortation? Prayer is how we put all of this stuff on. Now I've said over and over again that to put on the whole armor of God is to put on Christ. You've heard me say that many times, right? How do you put on Christ apart from prayer? It can't be done. It simply can't be done. Now, uh, so we see that the armor is to put on, to be put on prayerfully, and that's the title of this morning's message: is armor yourself in prayer. I mean, that's the title. That's what I want to hammer on this morning: armor yourself in prayer. Now, um, all of that having been said, when should we do this? Verse eighteen answers the question. I think we all know the answer to it. What's Paul saying? Verse eighteen. He says, he says, pray at what? All times, right? At all times. And Paul is, uh, has already brought this up. If you, if you just turn back to chapter 1 and verse 16. In fact, for context's sake, look at verse 15. Paul says in chapter 1, verse 15, he says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Look at verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you. But Paul here is Offering thanksgiving to the Lord without ceasing, isn't it? It's his prayer without ceasing. And in fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And you don't need to turn here, but our Lord says the same thing in, in uh, Luke 18, in that famous parable, the parable of the persistent widow. Um, we're told in, in Luke 18, and verse 1, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray. They should pray always. So here we're to pray always. Now someone might say, okay, well, how are we to do that? Are we to, are we to abandon our, the workforce and go join a monastery and, and spend all of our time in prayer? How do we do that? Well, no, we don't abandon the workforce and join a monastery. We're called to be salt and light to the earth. We're called to take the gospel to to people of every tribe and tongue. I mean, to, to, to go back to a monastery would be disobedience of that clear command. 
We don't do, dare do such a thing. But so how do we pray without ceasing then? We have to go to work tomorrow. How do we do it? I listened to another sermon on Thursday from another pastor, and I, I, I heard a wonderful story. I think it was worth sharing with you, and I, I think it, it begins to illustrate how we do this. And a group of ministers decided they were going to study prayer, and they went and rented a conference center, and off they went, and uh, they began to study prayer. And, and as the day grew longer, uh, they realized that prayer is a lot more complex than they first imagined. And uh, somewhat stumped, along comes this young maid who's bringing drinks and refreshments. And one of the ministers said, you know, let's ask this young maid. Let's see what she has to say. Uh, what, what, you know, and they asked her, they said, Miss, tell us, what, what, do you, what do you think prayer is? How would you define prayer? And she kind of uh, smiled and said, well, I, gee, I mean, I, I don't know that I could really give you a definition or put it into words, but I guess what I would say is prayer is my life. And they'd say, they, they responded by saying, prayer is your life. Could you, could you explain? She goes, well, it's, it's, it's the wind and breath of my soul. And they're like, that's interesting. Tell us, tell us some more. She says, well, when I'm here at the conference center and I'm dusting the furniture and I'm watching the dust come off the furniture, I'm praying that the Lord will clean my soul and wash my soul. And when... I open up the drapes and the sun shines through the windows. I pray that the sun of righteousness would shine, bringing healing in its wings. And when I bring you food and drink, I pray that the, that the Lord would feed my soul and give me spiritual food and, and drink. That's not bad, is it? It's a, pretty good, it's a pretty good analogy, isn't it? So when are we to pray we're to pray at all times. And I think the, as we look at the how to pray, it'll also help us answer how we're to pray at all times. How are we to pray? Look at our verse again. Paul tells us to pray at all times in the Spirit. We're going to talk about that phrase in a minute, in the Spirit. But before we do, notice he says, with all prayer and supplication. Now, these two words in the original that are translated prayer and supplication, sometimes it's prayer and petition. Now, some of your translations will vary a little bit. Those two Greek words are, are, are pract for all practical sake are synonyms. It's very difficult to discern any real difference between the two of them. And uh, really the, what the Apostle Paul and the, the Really, the traditional interpretation of that phrase is that to pray with all kinds of prayer, to pray with all kinds of prayer. And there, there are all kinds of ways of praying and all kinds of prayer. Like, for instance, there's public prayer like I've engaged in this morning uh, and will engage in uh, again to, two more times before our service is over. Uh, there is private prayer or sometimes it's called secret prayer where we go into our prayer rooms or wherever it is that we pray when we want to be alone with God. And then there's mental prayer that perhaps that, that would be illustrated so wonderfully by our young maid at the workplace. Uh, we can mentally pray at the workplace really all day long, um, and especially whenever we find adversity in the workplace. Uh, perhaps we have people that are difficult to deal with in the workplace. Uh, um, and I don't suppose any of us have any of that going on. But if you do, um, and the day comes that you would have that going on, 
uh, you can pray for the Lord to give you patience and uh, that he would strengthen you in that time, that you would not act in kind. Uh, so we have this mental prayer that we can be praying. Perhaps we're talking with somebody. And in talking with somebody, we see very clearly they need to know about the gospel. We can pray that the Lord will give us words uh, for that. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit possibly next week. Uh, so you have this mental prayer. And there are many other kinds of prayer. There's silent prayer. Sometimes uh, you, you just pray silently. I'll say, well, how do I pray silently? Well, uh, at different times when you're in prayer, and you're, maybe some of you have experienced this, where you're so caught up with God's presence, you just want to bask in it. That is a prayer. You know what kind of prayer that is? It's a prayer of satisfaction. The fact that you just want to linger there, the fact that you just want to take in God's presence is indeed a prayer that God understands. You're satisfied in Him. Silent prayer. There's all kinds of different prayers. And in a, one of the reasons for looking at the Lord's Prayer this morning is that the Lord's Prayer gives us really... A, a whole panoply, if we might use the word again, of different kinds of prayer. Let's think about the Lord's Prayer. Let's take it uh, by petition. You know, Jesus says when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Here we have the prologue and the first petition. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prologue, first petition. What kind of prayer is that? That's a prayer of adoration, isn't it? It's a prayer of worship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. What is that? That's a prayer for God's glory to spread, spread and expand throughout the whole earth. That's, that's, that's the prayer. Come Lord Jesus. Come. Yerku Yesu. Yerku. That's that prayer. Come Lord Jesus. That we have at the very end of the Bible. A prayer for the consummation of God's kingdom. Uh, and we go down through the list. Uh, we look at give us this day our daily bread. That's, of course, one we're pretty familiar with, isn't it? That's a prayer for our personal needs and the needs of others. Uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. A prayer of confession. A prayer for grace to offer forgiveness to others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Here we, we have a petition for protection. And then we finalize it back with adoration again, don't we? So you see all these different types of prayers that we have here. Now, all of these different types of prayers. Now what the Apostle Paul is telling us to do is to pray at all times with all kinds of prayer. Now we should stop right here and make application as we think about our own personal prayer life. Is our own personal prayer life, does it involve all of these types of prayers? And the reason I ask is because I have a sneaking suspicion that many of our prayers have a tendency to center on give us this day our daily bread. And uh, as uncomfortable as this question is, it must, be, it must be asked, what does that say about us? You know, I've been leading uh, prayer ministries for a long time. I've been leading prayer meetings and and, uh, and I can't remember the last time someone said, you know, let's pray. You know, let's, I have a prayer request. Let's, let's glorify God. Let's, let's, 
Let's, let's just pray and offer adoration to him. I have never had anyone suggest that in a prayer meeting. I've heard it suggested at the seminary by students or from other countries. I have never heard an American suggest that. I'm not saying that we don't. I'm just saying I've never heard it, and I've led a lot of prayer meetings. And we could go down through the list. Thy kingdom come. Let's pray that the Lord will advance his kingdom here in the valley. I don't hear anyone bring that up. I don't ever hear anyone bring that up. Now, maybe it's because we, we just don't think we should. Maybe it's because I never preach on this. You know, well, I'm preaching on it now. It needs to enter into our thoughts. We wonder why there's so much little activity in terms of the advancement of God's kingdom. But it's probably proportional to the prayers that are being raised. And I'm not saying for a minute that give us this daily bread. Give us our, our, I'm not suggesting for a minute that that's not important. It's listed with all the others. What I'm suggesting is that we're out of balance here, aren't we? That we're praying always for one kind of prayer. We're not praying always with all kinds of prayer or with every kind of prayer. Does that make sense? So I think we need to make offer some confession and repentance to the Lord and, and ask Him to help us in these areas. Think of the Lord's Prayer as your model. It's a great model to think through. And Think of the various petitions and what's going on in those petitions and try to order your prayer life without, you know, after that. And think about the changes that would take place as churches begin to do that. I think there would be some amazing changes take place. Now, we have this other issue here, praying in the Spirit. What, is, uh, what exactly is praying in the Spirit? When Martin Lloyd-Jones got to this section in his sermon, he said something that really, really surprised me. He said that he had never experienced such hesitation in the pulpit as he experienced in trying to explain what prayer in the spirit is. And I, <laughs> I was hoping he would just march right in so I would have some idea of what I was going to do. Um, he had a lot of hesitation. I, 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 I have a lot of hesitation too. Why? Because I am such a student of prayer. Uh, listen, the indictment that I just charged you with, I charged myself with. My prayers are in a, out of balance too. I try to get them in balance. I know that as you hear me pray over and over again, you're learning to pray the same way. It wasn't long ago. I heard one of you praying uh, somewhere, and you sounded so much like myself that it kind of scared me a little bit. Um, that's why that pastoral prayer and these prayers in the service are so very, very vital because this is how we learn to pray. I've learned how to pray by listening to others pray too. And my prayers sound a lot like the people I listen to who I admired. Uh, so we can transfer a lot of error to one another here. Uh, I am a student of prayer. And one thing I'm really thankful for is that on Sunday mornings when we get together to pray, Alex always covers me. He always prays. He's very faithful to pray this way. Let Rick listen to his message. I'm so thankful for that prayer, and I need that prayer. And please keep praying that prayer. Uh, I, I've been pretty immersed in this stuff all week and 
uh, I find myself getting convicted by it actually a, a few days earlier than some of you do, but in, indeed, uh, it was John Owen that said, no preacher should ever preach a message of which he hasn't preached to himself. Uh, so that's all, uh, often on my mind as well, but I'm so thankful that Alex prays that way for me, that I would listen to this message. I fall under this same indictment. My prayer needs a lot of work as well. What is praying in the Spirit? Well, simply put, prayer in the Spirit is praying in dependence upon the Spirit as we're empowered by the Spirit and led by the Spirit. Don't think about it as praying in tongues or anything like that. That glossolalia, that speaking in tongues, that's nowhere to be found anywhere in this context. And besides that, Paul's calling the whole church to this. Everyone's being called to this. So those who may have received the gift of tongues or those who haven't received the gift of tongues are called to, to be praying at all times. The tongues are not what's in view here. What's in view here is praying in dependence upon the Spirit, praying under the guidance and leadership of the Spirit. Now, uh, how does that work? Well, uh, you know, it goes without saying that a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer and prayer that's even been offered by myself over the years is not true prayer. And I think a lot of you, some of you who've walked with Jesus for a while would acknowledge that about your own prayers. Have you ever gone in to pray and you struggled so bad at it that you recognized that, I don't know what went on back there, but Father, I'm sorry for it. That wasn't prayer. And I, I, I don't desire to ever do that again if you had that experience. Okay. A lot of prayer is not true prayer. And we'll recognize that's not true prayer. In order for prayer to take place, communion has to take place. If, we're, if we find ourselves and we're praying, and we're not focusing on God, we're not focusing on the fact that we're praying to Him, if we're not focused on His presence, like He's listening to us, we're praying in the wind. That's not true prayer. That's not true prayer. But some of you, some of you may have had this experience, and I hope all of you have, where you will be praying... And you'll be tripping all over yourself, struggling, trying to do the best you can, can't think of anything to pray, probably falling under the indictment that Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't pray with empty phrases like the Gentiles do. And here you are, a Gentile with a capital G, tripping all over yourself, empty phrase after empty phrase. And then all of a sudden, things just start spilling forth from your heart. The words just start coming right from your heart. And they start lining up and... It may last very briefly. It may last for a little while. And you think to yourself, wow, what was that? That was praying in the Spirit. That was praying in the Spirit. I've experienced it many, many times, many times in, in public, uh, where someone will say, Rick, you know, would you, would you pray? And uh, you get up and you start to pray and you think, Okay, what am I going to... Just Don't think just because we're preachers that we can just stand up and just do this any better than anyone else. Uh, uh, you get up and you, you just start stumbling all over yourself and then all of a sudden, wow, there, there the Holy Spirit is. There he, there he comes to your aid and your side and He begins to empower you to pray. Now, we might get the impression, okay, we're to be praying in the Spirit and this maybe is something that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, maybe we should just wait until it happens to pray. No, 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 no. No, no. Many of the old preachers said, no, 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 no. 
You get in there, you pray all the time. You struggle the best you can all the time. And you ask the Lord to give you the assistance of the Holy Spirit all the time. And as you do this, He will. And true prayer actually will take place. And as true prayer takes place, guess what? Uh, You will find yourself magnificently in communion with God. And the more that you're in communion with God, the more you're going to want to be in communion with God. In other words, the more that you want to be in communion with God, the more you're going to want to pray. You see how that circle, you know, just like the circle of sin rocks the other way. uh, this This circle takes you, instead of taking you downward, it takes you upward. Does that make sense? So where we've been this morning, we've, we've looked at the connection between prayer and Paul's exhortation, and that has led us to the role of prayer. Uh, prayer is crucial here, isn't it? Prayer is how we put on the whole armor of God. Uh, you know, we pray, Lord, robe us, in the, uh, robe us in the belt of truth, robe us with the righteousness of Christ, and down through the list uh, we go with the belt of truth. Prayer is how we put on the armor. Uh, when are we to do this at all times? Uh, how we to do it with all kinds of prayer. I have two quotes for you that I want to leave you with. One comes from John Bunyan. He was said to have said these things. The source is unknown, but he says this, quote, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Has anyone heard that before? You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. And I'll leave you with another one from John Calvin. He writes in his Institutes, quote, It is, therefore, by the benefit of prayer that we reach those riches which are laid up for us with the Heavenly Father. Let me read that one again. It is, therefore, by the benefit of prayer that we reach those riches that are laid up for us by the Heavenly Father. It's through prayer we get those riches. And one of those riches is the whole armor of God, isn't it? So it's through prayer we put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the gospel shoes and the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this rich and wonderful teaching that you have given us in this ancient epistle, Father, that is relevant to us today as it was to the day that the Apostle Paul wrote it. And Father, we thank you that you truly have given us these riches that are at our fingertips uh, simply by prayer. You make them available. You make your very own armor available to your children. You command us to put it on, and you've shown us how to do it. So, Father, we ask that, Lord, you would train us Train us, equip us, take us uh, into your boot camp that we would learn how to put this armor on, that we would wear it so much that we would feel uh, naked without it, O oh Father. And we pray, Father, that you would do these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.